Hi there. Welcome today to the Cartery Pot that comes to you from the old city of Jerusalem, a city that is sacred to the world's three great religions. It is sacred to the Muslims, to the Jews, and to the Christians. And today in the Carter Report, I'm going to show you some of the amazing prophecies about the old city of Jerusalem. I want you to come with me now, downtown Los Angeles, to the beautiful Shrine Auditorium for amazing discoveries. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Prophecy. It's used to peer into the future, but it must be learned from the past. The Carter Report presents Focus on Prophecy. From the Shrine Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles, John Carter unravels the mysteries of Bible prophets and brings modern meaning to this ancient book. And now, John Carter. We're going to talk tonight about the only way that a person can find peace, the only way there can be peace in the Middle East, the only way there can be peace in the streets of the United States of America, the only way we can have peace in our homes and peace in our hearts. We're going to talk tonight in detail about two wonderful races, the Jews and the Arabs. I have hundreds of wonderful friends among both of these great races. I have so many wonderful Jewish friends and so many wonderful Arab friends. And tonight we're going to talk about these, these wonderful people, these wonderful races. We're going to show you tonight too the most important archaeological sites in the whole of the Holy Land. And we're going to see what the message of these amazing sites is, what the message is for us today living here in the United States of America. And then, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is the most important part of the whole series tonight, or the most important part of the meeting. I'm going to show you some incredible prophecies, some amazing predictions. Prophecies that talk about the coming of a mighty prince, and prophecies about Jerusalem, the city of peace. And then we are going to pull it, pull it all together and see how the events of the past shape our lives today because those things that happened thousands of years ago in the Middle East are influencing us today in a very remarkable way. Uh, our relationship to these events we're going to discover decide our destiny. And so we're going to have a marvelous time together this evening, and I want to say that I'm ever so glad that you decided to come to the Carter Report tonight. Jerusalem, what a wonderful city is the city of Jerusalem. The word means the city of peace. It is the, it is the great city of the, of the Holy Land. It is sacred to the hearts of three great religions. The Christians love it because of its associations with Jesus, the Arabs love it and, and the Jews love it. All of these great religions, the three great religions, Judaism, Christianity, and uh, the wonderful religion of the Muslims, all of these great religions come together in the city of Jerusalem. Though even though it is the city of peace, it is hardly a city of peace. Now tonight, as the men put these pictures on the screen of, of Jerusalem and some of these holy sites, what I'm going to do, right at the very start of the meeting, I'm going to tell you the origin of the Jews and the Arabs. And I'm going to come over here to the blackboard, and I'm going to put up some very, very interesting material that tells us the roots of these people. Some years ago here in the United States of America, there was a marvelous program on the roots of, 
of black Americans and told where they came from and are told their, their wonderful story. Now tonight we're going to talk about the roots of the Jews and the roots of the Arabs. Now the Bible talks about a man that is venerated by the Jews, the Arabs, and the Christians, and his name is Abraham. Abraham. Originally his name was Abram, and then later on in life his name was changed to Abraham. And he is called the father of the faithful. He is really the spiritual, yes, the physical father at least of the Jews and the Arabs, and the spiritual father of the Christians. And history tells me that Abraham had a wife, and her name was Sarah. Now, originally her name was Sarai, but later on it was changed to the term Sarah, and Sarah means a princess. Now, God came along to Abraham and said, Now, Abraham, you're an old man, but I'm going to bless you. And you're going to become the father of, of tremendous nations. This is what you can read in the book of Genesis, where God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to become the father of tremendous nations. He said, kings are going to come out from you. And Abraham was an old man, and he said, I don't know how this is going to happen, God. But God said to him, Abraham, you've got to have faith because I'm going to work a tremendous miracle for you. And uh, something wonderful is going to happen to you. Your wife, uh, your, your, she's going to become the mother of, of kings just the same as you. But Abraham was getting an old man. And when he was in his 80s, he said, I don't think even though God's the Almighty, I think even God has got his limits because I'm getting too old to be a father and my wife, Sarah, is too old to be a mother. And so he had a little talk to Sarah and Sarah said, I am too old to have children. But Sarah said, I have a servant girl and her name is Hagar. And Sarah said this, you go, go into Hagar. And she'll become the, the mother. She will produce the child, and I will bear children through her. Now you say, this is a pretty strange thing to happen. Well, back in those days, this was the custom. If the wife could not have children, if she was uh, incapable of bearing children, as, as Sarah apparently was, it was the custom in those days for the husband to get another wife and for the, for the wife to provide the second wife. And so Sarah, who was the first wife, produced this woman whose name was Hagar. And after a little while, Hagar had a son and he became a tremendously important person. And uh, he was given this name, his name was Ishmael. Ishmael, which means that God hears. And so Abraham the father, Hagar the, the mother, and Ishmael was the son. But then the years rolled by, and bless your heart, this was an amazing thing that happened. This was certainly a miracle. Sarah was uh, about 90 years of age, and um, Abraham was 100 years of age. And the Bible says when Sarah was 90 years of age, and Abraham was a hundred years of age, Sarah became pregnant and she gave birth to a boy and his name was, here it is, her son was Isaac. Now some strange things started to happen in the camp back there. Here you had two powerful women, Sarah, the first wife, and then the second wife whose name was Hagar. 
you had a tremendous amount of animosity, animosity developed between these two women and they started to fight among themselves. And as the boys started to grow up, the rivalry came between these two boys. And the interesting thing is this, ladies and gentlemen, just wait for this. From Ishmael through Hagar came the great race or the tribe of the Arabs. They came from Abraham through Hagar through Ishmael and that is where you have the, the Arabs. And from Abraham through Sarah through Isaac came the race of the Jews or the children of Israel. And there was this animosity between uh, Hagar and, and Sarah. They were tremendously jealous of each other. And Sarah mistreated this girl and drove her out of the house. And then the boy was driven out of the house. And so there came this animosity between these two strong women and between then these two strong men, between Isaac and Ishmael. And so there, a great family feud started back there. This started 4,000 years ago. And this feud has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And today it is still going on in the Middle East. But I want to tell you folk tonight, there is a solution to hatred and there is a solution to animosity. Behind me is the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim mosque built on the ruins of the old Jew Jewish temple that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Jesus Christ came to this spot to cleanse his temple and to preach the word of God in the year 27 AD. Now listen very, very carefully. The coming of Jesus to his people in 27 AD was predicted 600 years before Jesus was born. The prophet Daniel in exile in the old city of Babylon wrote in 600 BC that Jesus Christ would appear in Israel in the year 27 AD. The prophet went on to say that Jesus would proclaim the word of God for three and a half years and then would be cut off or murdered. Every word of the prophecy came to pass. Listen friend, you can believe in Jesus. You can believe in the Bible. You can believe in the prophecies because of the overwhelming evidence. I would like to give you something special. I would like to put this amazing material into your hands. Call me now, John Carter, on the telephone number now appearing on the screen. Call now for amazing discoveries. This is John Carter in old Jerusalem reporting with a message the Bible is true, the prophecies have been fulfilled, and Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, you've seen some of the pictures of Jerusalem tonight, at least I hope you did, and you saw some of the holy places like the temple, but now we're going to take you down to Jericho. Jericho is a very interesting place because when the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt about 1400 years before Christ, when they got to Jericho, the Bible says they marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls fell flat. Time magazine just a few weeks ago gave a tremendous story. They have just discovered, archaeologists have just discovered that they have done some, they've been doing some more research on the walls of Jericho and they have discovered that the walls of Jericho really did fall out and fell flat around 1400 BC. And the Bible was right again. 
and Time Magazine published and it said another one for the Bible, another one for the Bible. And so over here you have, just move them along a little gentlemen. Next one. Here are some of the walls of Jericho. Now we're going to take you down to the Dead Sea. That's the lowest spot on the face of the earth. Now, gentlemen, you can just roll these through around the Dead Sea area, and I'm going to put up some uh, drawings here on the blackboard. This is the approximate shape of the Dead Sea. It's about 48 miles from north to south and about 12 miles from east to west. Over here, there's a little peninsula of land that uh, uh, juts out into the, into the waters, of the Red sea, uh, waters of the Dead Sea, uh, and that is a very significant little peninsula, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment. The surface of the Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level, and then the waters of the Dead Sea are another 1,300 feet deep. And the waters of the Dead Sea are 28% salt. And so you can go into the, into the Dead Sea like those people there, and you just can't sink. It's a great place to learn to swim if you don't get the salt in your eyes, because the salt just about drives you crazy, it's so strong but you can't sink in the Dead Sea. And the reason it is dead, it is always taking, you know that? It's always taking. It's always taking water out of the River Jordan. It's always saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, but it's never giving back. And that makes it the Dead Sea. Always taking, but nothing ever flows out of the Dead Sea. Now over there on the eastern side over here is this little peninsula of land. And there is an old civilization there called Bab Ed Dra. It's an amazing place because only recently then I have excavated there. It's an amazing place, but only recently there they discovered the remains of 500,000 tombs. It was once upon a time a tremendous civilization, and it appears that the last of those tombs was used about uh, 1,900 or 2,000 BC, which is the very time the Bible says that fire fell from the sky and destroyed the cities of Solomon and Gomorrah. And I've gone down further south of the Dead Sea, way down south of the Dead Sea. And when you go down south of the Dead Sea, you, you find cities there that are covered with ash, that are, and, and the ash is this high, it is six feet high. And I'm going to be showing you pictures of these cities covered with ash on Friday night. I believe that we have stumbled upon the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible spoke about the great cities of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and skeptics said there were no such cities. And today you can go down to the southern part of the Dead Sea and there you see this great area of waste and you can even smell the sulfur. The sulfur is so pungent and so strong and it reminds you of the words of the Bible when it says, fire and brimstone fell from the Lord God out of heaven. I tell you, friend, wherever I've gone in the Middle East, Wherever I go, I find tremendous evidence why a thinking man can believe that the Bible is the Word of God. This is taking you up now to one of the most beautiful spots on the face of the earth. This is going up now to the beautiful Sea of Galilee, just a, a little lake. It's not a sea. We call it a sea because it, it sounds, I think, a little more romantic. It is just 13 miles long and 8 miles across. It is 685 feet below sea level. Jesus Christ spent a lot of his time up here. This is up at Capernaum, which is called the, uh, uh, the city of Jesus. Jesus went to church in Capernaum. It is a little lake, but boy, can it become tempestuous. 
because it is below sea level and because it is surrounded by the mountains, the winds can come down there and you can have waves which are 20 feet high in just a few moments. And on one occasion, Jesus was out there on the lake, just like that little boat is out there on the lake. Jesus was out there on the lake and a tremendous storm came and they thought the boat was going to go down. But Jesus, the Bible says, said the words, peace be still. And when Jesus said, peace be still, the Bible says the waves stopped their turmoil and there was a beautiful calm. I want to tell you, my friend, you can learn something from that. If you want to have peace in your life, if we want to have peace in the world, we need to have the peace giver come into our homes and into our hearts. That's what we need. This is up there at Capernaum. There's a, an old synagogue there that goes back almost to the days of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was there on many occasions. Uh, Jesus did many of his miracles there. And uh, this was really his hometown. Of course, Jesus was brought up in the little town of Nazareth, but he spent a lot of his time right here at Capernaum. As it says there, Capernaum, the city of Jesus. It's a wonderful story. Now, this one over here on the left-hand side is going to take a little bit of, of looking at it. It's hard to see. Over here you have uh, the remains of the ruins at Caesarea, named after Caesar. But over here, if you look very, very carefully, you can see the word Pilate. Pilate, Pilate of course, was the Roman governor who had Jesus Christ sentenced to death. And the Bible tells us that Pilate was a man without any character. Pilate was a man who sold Jesus because he didn't want to fall out with the religious authorities. Now, there was a time when skeptics derided the Bible because it spoke about these people. No longer today. We know that the story of Jesus and the story of his life and his death are absolutely authentic. And there you have written there the words in the Latin, Pilate. This is the only time, of course, that the word Pilate has been found in the inscriptions, but we know that Pilate was a real person. We know that this is not a folk story. We know it is the truth, and we believe that a person today can trust the scriptures. Now, I'm going to tell you some interesting stories about the temple. There you have the remains of the great Jewish temple. The Jewish temple that was built by King Herod uh, around the, the first century, just before the first century, was one of the great wonders of the world. It was one of the wonders of the world because of the tremendous stones. It was a beautiful, wonderful building. That is the Western Wall where the Jews still go today to pray for the coming of the Messiah. Some of the stones in the temple were absolutely vast. Some of the great stones, the foundation stones, only a few of them, were 60 feet long, uh, 10 feet through, and 6 feet high. The average stone like this stone over here, we made a movie about this. Those stones are 30 feet long, and they're um, about this high, about 3 feet high, and they're 5 feet through, and they weigh about 60 or 70 tons. And so the temple was a tremendous building. I want, as the men put these pictures through now, I'm going to come over here to the blackboard and I'm going to tell you the amazing story about the temple. And I'm going to tell you the even more amazing story about the overthrow of the temple in 70 AD and how a large number of people escaped from the, from the holocaust that consumed the city. Now coming over here to the blackboard, let me draw for you just a little map, and men, you can just keep those rolling through. These are some of the remains of the old Jewish temple 
This is at Robinson's Arch. And uh, when you go there with an archaeologist, the archaeologist will tell you that the Romans put fire under those stones and the stones just burst into a million pieces. You can see the remains of a tremendous fire that consumed the city. Now let me come back here to the blackboard and let me draw for you a map of the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem was famous because of the temple. Here was the temple. The temple was over here on the eastern side. It was a great building. It was a marvelous building. It was the place where Jesus Christ did some of his preaching. Uh, here you have a reconstruction of the great Jewish temple. It was, a, it was a huge place. Most people have no idea concerning the, the size of that temple. It was from north to south about 1,500 feet, many times bigger than this theater, many, many times bigger. I guess to the back of this theater would only be about 150, 160 feet. Well, that temple from north to south was 1,500 feet. So when you look around in the shrine, you could say it was 10 times bigger. And across from east to west, it was 950 feet. It was built on a tremendous uh, stone foundation with these tremendous slabs of stone. And, and it went up in places about 200 feet. 200 feet, the foundation. And then on top of this, you had the temple itself with the holy place and the most holy place. And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to show you a prediction that was given 2,000 years ago concerning the Jewish temple. This is one of the most amazing prophecies ever found anywhere in the ancient Hebrew Christian scriptures. And I want the, the folks now, my beautiful ushers and usherettes, to pass out copies of the Bible, please. And uh, I want them to pass them out straight away now. And I want you to take a copy. And as soon as you get a copy, please, I want you to turn to this page number I'm going to tell you about. I want you to come with me to page 912, please. Luke 21 and verse 20 and onwards. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Now, just... Just stay with me for a moment. Let me tell you some history. Jesus said these words about 30 AD. In 66 AD, the Romans came against the city of Jerusalem. Now let me tell you about how the city of Jerusalem was overthrown because it's an amazing historical account and I want you to know the facts about it. In Matthew 24, it tells the story how Jesus was visiting this great Jewish temple. And Jesus said, you see all these great stones? These stones that weigh hundreds of tons? Jesus said, not one of these stones is going to be left upon another. They're all going to be thrown down. And the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, this could never happen. This could only happen at the end of the world because this is a fortress that nothing could overthrow. Now in 66 AD, the Jews revolted against the Romans. And the Romans sent down their general from Syria, and his name was Cestius Gallus. And Cestius Gallus marched down to Jerusalem, and he surrounded the city of Jerusalem in 66 AD. And he had some success. He started to break into old Jerusalem, and it appeared as though the city was going to be overthrown in 66 AD. Now, here Jesus is describing uh, something that was still in the future. Jesus was describing something that was at least 36 years still in the future. 
Jesus recorded, those words were spoken by Jesus in about 30 AD and Cestius Gallus did not come until 66 AD. Now please notice what it says here, please. Verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, these were the armies of Rome, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who have nursing babies or, or who are nursing babies in those days. For there'll be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Here Jesus spoke about the complete destruction of the city of Jerusalem and Jesus also spoke about the destruction of the temple that you saw on the screen tonight. But I want you to notice the most amazing thing that, that you can ever read anywhere. Please look at this if you don't mind. Verse 20, 21. Verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem, what does it say? Surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near, then let those in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart. Now that seems absolutely crazy. Now I'll tell you why. Whether you're a Muslim or a Christian or a Jew tonight, this has got a message for you and I want you to hear it because this is going to tell you that there's a God in heaven. When the city of Jerusalem was overthrown by the Romans in 70 AD, the Jewish historian Josephus says that about one million people perished in this awful destruction. But the interesting thing is this, not one Christian believer died in the siege of Jerusalem. A million people died, but not one Christian. Would you like to know why? The Christians obeyed the words of Jesus Christ. You see, 40 years previously, Jesus had said these words. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that its desolation is near, then flee to the mountains, get out of the city, go for your lives. In 66 AD, the Roman general from Syria, whose name was Cestius Gallus, came down like a wolf on the fold and surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Now the Christians were waiting for the sign. All of a sudden, Cestius Gallus retreated for some inexplicable reason, went down the Bethhoron road to the coast. The Jews came out, fought the Roman soldiers, and killed in one day 6,000 Roman soldiers, and they thought they'd won the war. They struck a coin that said, in our first year of liberty. But the Christians were not fooled, they were not deceived. They fled from the, from the city of Jerusalem, and they fled to a little town by the name of Pala. Then the Romans came back with stronger armies. They built a wall around the city here of Jerusalem. And when Jerusalem was finally overthrown in 70 AD, one million people perished in this awful siege, but not one Christian because they believed in the words of Jesus. 